This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good evening, listeners. Um, what a privilege to be sharing with you once again. And this month we are talking about powerlessness and the power of surrender, surrendering our will and our life to the care of God. And you're saying the power of, and it really sounds like an oxymoron, hey? Mm. Because surrendering doesn't sound like power. <laughs> it sounds like giving up your power. Mm. But there's so much power when we can surrender to God. And, mm. and it's hard. Hey, it's just not easy. Yeah, it's very actually very biblical because Paul says when he is weak, then he is strong. Exactly. And, and that's not strong in my own strength, in my own will, in my own life but surrender to God mm. so that his power can be displayed through us. Man, but it's hard because I like to be <laughs> yes. strong. Yes. <laughs> I like to show that I can do it. And it's it's hard to get to a place where I give my life over. You know, Frederick, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 10. And I've, maybe I didn't fully understand when I was 25, I, I did it once again with, a, I think, a much better understanding than mm. I did it mm. the first time. But... Um, yeah, it, it's something to realize, but I can't because we, we, we grew up like you can handle this. Yeah. You know, you need to grow to independence, which I've learned in the meantime is interdependence. Mm. We can never be completely independent. We are interdependent of other people and mm. very much mm. dependent on, on Jesus and yes. on God, right? Yes, yes, yes. So it's our privilege to, to welcome Gert again here with us. Gert Moerman, welcome. Hello, Suki. Hi, Frederick. Hi. Good to be back. <laughs> and we had such a powerful discussion last time on the topic of surrender that we also decided we want to continue to talk more about it. Mm. And today we want to continue to explore how the powerlessness of surrender. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, that, that first step does talk about powerlessness. It talks about unmanageability. And for me, what that meant was that for two decades, my power was not coming from a spiritual source, mm. uh, although that's where I was looking, but my power was coming from substances and behaviors, external mm. things, people's mm. comments and um, life in general from the outside. That was my power. Uh, a drink, for example, made me feel better. Mm. So I got power from that. But because I had deep-seated resentment um, and some other character defects, uh, that relief or release will be very temporary. And then I'll be powerless again. Mm. And mm. that made my life unmanageable. Mm. Mm. And it's an interesting, it is a bit of an oxymoron, hey, that we step one says we need to become powerless because you just said you were powerless mm. <laughs> to fix yeah. your life or to change your life. But then we need to realize that, right? Mm. I think that is very much a realization of, that, um, of exactly. breaking away from denial, thinking that we can fix whatever is happening in our lives by uh, with our own strength. Mm. So it's, it's a point of becoming aware of, but I cannot. Mm. And if I cannot, I'm powerless. Mm. Yeah, looking at society today, the messages out there is, uh, you're a star, you can do it. Mm. Yeah. You know, 
Exactly the opposite. That's why, right? that's why it falls very difficult on our ears when people say you have to admit you're powerless. We're like, mm. what do you mean? I'm, I've been doing my own thing. Yeah. I've been, I've made some mistakes, but um, I'm doing pretty well. And <laughs> that's yeah. a big denial, as you point out, Frederick, is yeah. to get rid of some dysfunctional beliefs and some old ideas right. that we carry around about ourselves, things that people have spoken over us and that we started believing. Mm. Mm. And then also, I was thinking now, Gert, also for partners, friends and family members of those struggling mm, with addictions. Yes. Um, in the for first sure. program this month, I referred to the fact that I had to become powerless as well, that I could not change my husband. I couldn't change as, as this addiction. As a partner as a, of, an, uh, of an addict. Right. Eh? And I yeah. think we also need to to re realize our powerlessness and uh, that to surrender what we think we can change because we can't change other people. Mm. Mm. You want to comment That's on true. that? In alcoholism, the alcoholic is like, like a tornado running through the people that he loves the most, running through their lives and mm -hmm. causing damage. Mm -hmm. And those families are, are involved in a family disease. Even if there's, there's one alcoholic, the whole family, as we know, the whole family system is affected by it. And I often have to deal with uh, getting more calls from family members than mm -hmm. the person with the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which most of the time is there. So we help the families as well to learn mm -hmm. things like you did not cause this mm -hmm. problem. Um, you can't control it and you mm -hmm. can't cure it. Yes, um, those three C's. Yeah, that. Mm. They become so codependent quite often on the person with the problem. Mm. He's having a good day, they're having a good day, and, and the other way around. Yeah, so also for the, for the fa family members mm. then to realize that they need to surrender because they don't have the power to, to, to get him to stop or to change. And that's so, so important and it's so hard to get to that. Yeah, so I th you, you were talking about a hurricane going through the family and friends and those that you love. I, I can't imagine what devastation it leaves behind in relationships. And this is what we are talking mm. about. But not only in relationships with family members, but in relationship with God mm. and ourselves. So when we get to the point of surrendering our life and will to God, have you seen that happen with some of your clients? What difference did it make in their relationships? I think it makes all the difference in the world. You know, mm -hmm. I think that the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm. And um, that helps people become connected to them, their own inner truth, to themselves. As a, and, and I believe God is um, deep down inside of us anyway. So if I'm going to connect and understand myself better by doing the step work, getting rid of resentment, fear, shame, and guilt, mm -hmm. that also means I'm going to have a better relationship with God yeah. and have a closer, uh, strong uh, relationship with God that then flows out in my day-to-day -day life. So now I've got a connection with people around me. I'm speaking to people and there's an immediate connect. There's, not, there's no secrets. There's no flirting away with the eyes, you can't make eye contact and come up with little lies and stories about where you've been. No, it's a complete opposite. Mm -hmm. um, and when you speak about connection, which is the opposite of addiction, I think about our program, the name of our program, Intimacy. It's about intimacy. And intimacy is what comes with connection. And when we started with the program, it was a lot about 
our struggle for intimacy, Missy, amongst the uh, amidst the addiction uh, mm-hmm. or the recovering, you know, from addiction in our lives, and so that's an ongoing yeah. thing, also. Hey, like it requires a lot of vulnerability, a lot of honesty. For sure, um, you know, this concept of being brutally honest in the beginning of recovery to me was very frightening because the addict alcoholic, all of we all lie. I haven't met any in addiction that was not forced to lie. You have to. You have mm. to lie to yourself and people around you to carry on doing what you're doing. Um, mm. And uh, it is an ongoing thing for sure. It's something that it affects our emotional natures. It has an effect on, you know, we become mis- I'm full of misery and depression when I'm stuck in addiction. I, I don't feel like I'm used to anybody. Um, self-pity and things like that set in. And the opposite of all those things are true. They're the gifts of the Spirit. Mm. As we pointed out in the earlier talk, your, your, your whole basis of recovery becomes to help other people. Mm. And that just seems to happen by itself. You don't have anything to do with it. You, mm. you become, there's a new man is born. Mm. You grow in understanding and effectiveness. You become useful. You feel part of. There's this joy and serenity and a sixth sense that, that just takes over. Mm. So, so Ger, it really sounds like our relationships improve, and I can testify to that um, with regards to surrendering uh, to God. And mm-hmm. what have you seen amongst your clients? How has it helped them in their recovery and restoration journey? Yeah, it's. I think we we did touch on that a little bit as well. One of the things is that there's there's less danger of of fear and anger, and worry, you know, self pity, mm. even excitement, foolish decisions. What I see is that they become more efficient. They have more energy because they're not uh, trying to suit life the way they used to try and suit life to that it would work out for them. Mm. Um, they because you surrender. You, you, you're expending less energy because you start believing the promises of God. I will mm. never leave you. I will not forsake you. Yeah. Um, and you you can leave it there. But then the human nature of, let me speak for myself, is I would hand it over and I'll find myself later during the day wanting to take mm-hmm. it back and, yeah, true. and get involved again. And that takes a lot of energy. Um, yeah. un- unnecessary. I I, I'm more effective if I surrender and I keep on surrendering it and leaving it in God's Mm-hmm. Yo, thank Very you, Ger. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we're going to be taking a break now. And then after the break, I think let's focus more on surrendering our will and what that means in our recovery and restoration and in our relationships. Welcome back, listeners. As we continue, I before we continue to talk about surrendering your will, which I think we've actually covered quite a bit about, I want to ask Gert, um, for your about your experience as a counselor, what have you seen is the greatest obstacle to surrendering your will, or also in the lives of your clients? Yeah, Suki, I think it's also something we touched on a little bit about what society preaches out there. You know, mm. that exactly the opposite. Don't don't surrender. You know, yeah. self reliance is you you. It's all about success, and and you're a, you you can make it. Um, I think the other obstacles are, the, which we also briefly touched on, is the, the fear of change, the fear of the unknown. Um, I had certain expectations of what that life would look like, and it didn't look inviting. As a child, I remember seeing 
a man that stopped drinking, but he never got to meet God. So mm. the picture I saw was of somebody terribly unhappy. We refer to it as a dry drunk. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was removed from the thing that made him feel better. Um, a guy with the name Herbert Spencer had a quote that spoke about a concept that would keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And mm. that concept is contempt prior to investigation. Mm. And mm. that's something that kept me from stepping into recovery is I had contempt prior to investigation. I had certain ideas of what it would look like if I do this and it didn't in my head. It didn't in my head look like a very inviting picture to pursue mm -hmm. based on what I've seen in my past. Right. Yeah, because of the, the, the perception that you had about what it would like, the, like you say, the, uh, the dry drunk and what you experienced, right? Yes, and the problem with that was that I'm using my intellect, I'm using an alcoholic mind to try and solve a spiritual problem. Mm. And that's mm. distorted thinking, exactly. Yeah. Uh, don't all these distorted uh, thinking and beliefs come from somewhere. Um, I think very for, for me it was generated by shame, um, which also had, uh, had been influenced by my family of origin. And, um, and that, so even your family of origin could be an obstacle to surrendering your life and will to God. Yes, I think we come... You know, there's many different ways, paths to God, I think, and there's many different ways to end up in a place of desperation as well. Mm. Um, I grew up in a highly functional household where there was love, and I, I don't have the, I was want to say, I didn't have the luxury or the excuse to say that I was abused or anything like that. I ended up in addiction because um, of an alcoholic nature, mm. uh, of an addictive nature. I wasted a lot of time in early recovery to figure out why uh, until I until somebody said to me, how long have you been sober? I said, six months. He said, what has happened in the six months? I said, well, I met my wife. I've got a great job and great relationship with people around me. Um, there were so many beautiful, positive things happening in my life that I wasn't able to do personally for 20 years. And mm. here this all was taking place within a couple of months. So I knew this was God, this was not me. Mm. Mm. You know, Gert, we, we've been talking a lot about surrendering your will within the light of addiction. But just for anyone, not necessarily for people struggling with addiction, but maybe also family yeah. members and friends, it is not easy to surrender our will, hey? I mean, that's an ongoing thing. I've been, I've known yeah. Jesus for many, many years, and when I really started understanding the steps more deeply when I joined Celebrate Recovery and realized that I need to daily, literally, surrender my will and my life, and I literally started doing that from day to day. Every morning when I did my quiet time, I said, Lord, today I, I surrender my life to you and my will. But I found that to get to the nitty-gritty of doing that <laughs> was, was still not so easy. I mean, to say it with our mouths, and we, in, uh, we have good intentions about it. But when things happen, what we don't want to happen and that we want to influence, um, it's easy to start, pick up our own will again, right? 
That's for sure. Yeah, that's, um, you know, this place of complacency. I, I reached that at about nine and a half, almost 10 years into recovery. Mm. I became complacent thinking I don't need to do the disciplines anymore. Mm. Mm. And my default as somebody that's been clean for a long time, my default wasn't to necessarily fall back or relapse or start drinking. But my default was to start acting as if I were. Mm. So I would get irritated quickly or afraid quickly or angry. Um, so yes, it, it, it does, it, you know, the enemy is out there. Um, mm. he's, mm. he's like a roaring mm. lion. He's, mm. he's not one, but... And I, I think yeah, that awareness is so important um, in this process because mm -hmm. the moment when I realized that these feelings of fear or nervousness, anxiety mm -hmm. is entering, I start speaking to Jesus and I invite him into whatever I'm experiencing and help asking to help me to, to let go of yes. that because I'm not able to do that. And because you're talking about complacency, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about daily obedience, daily and momentarily oh, yeah. laying down my will. When it's not easy to know what does it look like to lay down my will, because sometimes what I want is a good thing. It's in line with what Father wants, but sometimes it's about what I want against what someone else's wants. <laughs> you know, so practically it's not always so easy to um, to figure these things out, right? That's an interesting point because you know I'm interested in my comfort and God's in interested in my growth. And mm. my, my my growth doesn't happen in my comfort. So. Mm. The thing is, I I was not aware that I was becoming that I was drifting away and becoming less effective for God. But fortunately, I have people around me that I've given permission to speak into my life to tell me that you're busy doing that thing that you know that pulls you away from God. Exactly. And when somebody said to me, we're not seeing you around, you're not helping people come back, I had an option. I could be offended or I could see the truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks to God that there was humility involved. And exactly. I said, you're right. Mm -hmm. And stepped back into my recovery. And so glad because it's a whole new experience all over again. Right, mm. yeah. So just what I see, Gert, as well is that um, this journey of recovery and restoration isn't a upward line of growth, but we grow and then we fall back a little bit. And that fall back a little bit is was for me falling back into old default behaviors that we actually yeah. call addiction behavior. Mm -hmm. And all the things that we did and said and uh, when we were in our addiction, without the addiction, you talked about the dry drunk. So um, how many of your clients and or have you had clients that have experienced that? That temporarily just fall back because I think it happens. Yes, um, in fact, my, my um, stance on that has also changed. In, as in, in early counseling, I would be quite disappointed and I would feel like I failed the client. Let's say an alcoholic goes out and he's, he has, he's been sober for three weeks um, and he knows that this is a safe, professional, and confidential environment. So he knows when he has a relapse, the one person he can tell it is me. Mm. And um, in the past when that happened, I would feel like we failed somewhere now it's kind of reaffirms that we, we're on the right path. And this is what alcoholics do, is that it is, I'm not saying relapse is part of recovery. I'm saying that if it does happen, mm. at least it confirms that you are an alcoholic. And if you are one, we have a spiritual remedy for that. Now that doubt has been removed, that back door has been closed. 
and we can actually focus on the work ahead. So sometimes it's really necessary that that happens. Mm. Thank you so much, Gert. Um I think as you were talking the, the, the past few sentences, I was just realizing once again, it's about denying yourself. And with mm. that, I want to end the program yeah. again because yeah. we actually started the first program of this month with Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25, where Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I think that's exactly what we've been talking about uh, today. And with that, uh, we want to thank you for once again being part of our program and helping us to continue to explore this concept of surrendering and the power that we find in Jesus because of our surrender. Mm. Yeah, so thank you for joining us, listeners. And um, once again, a reminder that if you want to connect with us, uh, there's an email address that you can do that. Uh, Frederick, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-K, one word, Suki as well, uh, S-O-E-K-I-E, at kpulpa.co.za. Or you can listen to the podcasts, and you can listen to this episode's podcast a few days after the the broadcast, and that can be found at www.kpulpit.co.za forward slash podcasts forward slash into me see. Until next time, many, many blessings. Bye-bye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.